everybody. Welcome to another episode of Finding Peaks. I am here with two amazing professionals, but even better humans. You know what time <laughs> it is. We have Dr. Sarah Van Anroy on the show. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Thank Van you. Anroy. You got it. Dr. Van Anroy is an integrative medicine and psychiatric physician. She's also American Board of Integrated Medicine Diplomat. She's also American Board of Integrated and Holistic Medicine, American Board of Psychiatry, and Neurology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did well, well, yep, it's all under one board. All under one board. One brain, one board. One brain. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Kaylee Myers here, National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, and a certified phlebotomist. They have both been working together for the last 10 years up in Castle Rock. And like, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you guys so much for coming on the show. Yep. I've been talking a lot about with the team, who I'm bringing on this week, and everybody's really, really excited. And us here at Peaks Recovery are looking for trusted and valuable um, sources, people that we can refer to in the community after a primary care setting. And you all are about to found, find out why we want to work with these folks so badly. Mm -hmm. so, let's just get right into it. So some of the things that you guys do that really, really are progressive and I think cutting edge is this genome testing. What is gene testing and why aren't more people doing it? I, I see a lot of providers kind of throwing medications, rinse, wash, and repeat. I watch folks come in on multiple medications and then they transition. And so it just seems like a really arduous and intense process to walk through. But as we were speaking earlier, maybe we don't have to walk through it in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, makes my job much easier. Not easy, but, but easier. So I started doing genetic uh, profiles back in about 2011, I think it was. From it, it's probably 2000. Longer, yeah, and have reviewed probably between two to 3,000 patients. Um, and, you know, what gene testing does, uh, genes are, you know, our template as far as that really helps, you know, shape our health, shape our brain, shape our behavior. Um, but genes are not necessarily destiny. Um, so genetic testing is very important um, data, very, very valuable. Um, I would say probably as a prescriber, one of the most important pieces of data, but it's only one piece of data. Uh, we put it together also with biomarkers, um, like with lab work, you know, clinical interview, history, all the other good stuff, and pull it all together to you know, help our clients better understand what helps their brain to really perform well, do well, and what might kind of jump things up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned something when we spoke last. You said that you actually won't even prescribe medication. Right, I yeah. I've done this test. Yeah, well, in particular, the more dangerous ones, um, antidepressants. So. Uh, I've been practicing medicine almost 40 years now. So, and back in the old days, it was, um, yeah, it was experimental. It'd be like, okay, you know, this is what we think's going on based on the syndromal list of symptoms. So we try medicine. Um, if it didn't work, we're like, oops, um, go down another pathway, another pathway. Uh, it just took such a long time. And there were, you know, unfortunately, a number of times we ended up making our patients worse. And um, yeah, and then um, I got into, before genetics, got into functional brain imaging, which is a whole nother technology. That is really, really cool to be able to really look at metabolically the different patterns. And then when genetic testing came along, it's like you put it all together. And, you know, why experiment? You know, there's still trial and error with the genetic testing but I'm able to get to the effective solution so much faster. Yeah. 
and with a lot less risk, kind of like warning signs. Don't go down that road. Right. How is this, how is this seen and heard within the clinic that you guys go to? I, I mean, I was just in intensive outpatient group yesterday and supporting some of our clinical team. And I was sitting with a, a young lady who had just switched medications. And it's like the story of my career where I watched these people just fighting everything they have. And you can tell the medication isn't settling them. It's exacerbating right. right. symptoms. It's intensifying their experience. How has this been received um, in the 10 years that you've been working with Dr. Van Enroy? And what do you love about this process that you're engaged with, Carrie? I, I mean, I definitely think patients receive it. It depends on the patient. Obviously, some of them don't know exactly what genetics is. So it takes a little bit of education. But when we can say, this is your kind of owner's manual for your brain. This is what we know to be true about your genetics. It's not your destiny. It doesn't mean this is exactly how your brain's going to respond to medications. Kind of like he said, there's still a little bit of trial and error, but it helps them to feel a little bit more understood and validated, I think, in what they're experiencing. Especially, I would think a lot of our bipolar patients, I think is the big one. One where we can be like, you know what, your brain is just more like a Ferrari than a Honda. Yeah, that is <laughs> That's so okay. Yeah. You know? So we can, we can help them, not only with medications, but also lifestyle. Like, how does a, your brain respond to too much light, too much overstimulation, no exercise, bad nutrition? What are those things due to your brain specifically? And how can we kind of adjust and make it so that it works the, the best? Yeah, that's brilliant. I would imagine that, you know, some people, and I mean, most all people, brains react differently to stimuli, whether it's light, Mm -hmm. exercise. Sometimes we see, and I think I tell myself a story, I'm like, well, Joey seems to be doing fine. He doesn't get any light on his phone. He's in front of the oven, but it's just a different human. It's a different genome. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And I love the opportunity for people to come in and sit with you all. When you said that, it almost brought a tear to my eye because I remember being 11 or 12 years old and the school counselor said to me, what's wrong with you? Mm, You know, this is the thing that we did back in the 90s. We asked, what's wrong instead of what happened? Or say something like, you know what, Chris? Your brain's a little bit like a Ferrari and not a Honda. Like, that sounds fun. Yeah, you know, maybe we can create people for that. Don't people appreciate me. So I love the way you guys are creating this Mars manual for your brain and it's specific to the individual. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, and like Kaylee, you know, saying especially, I did some extra training in um, bipolar uh, mini fellowship at the University of Colorado, and so that's really one of our big passions is the gift of bipolar. You know, like Kaylee saying, like the Ferrari. You know, um, bipolar brains might be a lot more sensitive to lack of sleep, poor nutrition, substances, but man, when they're taken care of, it's like they can outperform about anything on the road. So. I love that too. And, and a lot of that wood stuff isn't, isn't talked about, especially in some of these community-based resources oh, that we walk right. through. We just say kind of more of this and more of that without really having empathy or compassion or insight into what people are struggling with. Yeah. You know, we talked about it before the show is with respect to addiction specifically and how we get told certain things. And those things seem to be mired at the foundation of our recovering. It's tough to break out of. So I almost look at you all as like truth tellers. Yeah, you know, and when I step forward, Mate says, but people are confronted with the truth. That's when change can begin to happen. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's a really cool trick. So something on your website that really blew me away. You know, you don't see a lot of psychiatrists, um, doctors in general say, 
simple, fun fact. <laughs> and the website yeah. really reads like that. If you want to check it out, I mean, it's bright, beautiful. There's colorful food on there. Awesome. Humans. <laughs> so what is, how do you make it simple, fun, and effective? Do you want to start? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah we... So definitely the effective part we, we have down. Um, you know, we have a good process. It's very streamlined. The genomine definitely helps. To pick people. The simple is a little bit more, I think, organic, depending on the person. You know, some people like tons of ed education and some people do not. So definitely trying to make it simple for them so that it's sustainable, uh -huh. so that it's easier for them to apply to their life. Um, and then giving them as much education and as many tools as they want and can handle. Because uh, sometimes people think simple is like, just this is your only option. Right. Mm. We're going to do this. It's easier. Mm. Um, but that's not necessarily how we do things. Um, and then fun, is, again, is sustainable, right? If it's not something you're enjoying, something that you want to do, and something you feel benefit from, mm. uh, then you're not going to continue with it. So definitely that's, I think, where coaching comes in a lot too is, you know, I'm a big believer in don't put the work in working out. We don't have to go to the gym five days a week to get exercise. <laughs> go for a walk, you can go swimming. Like it can be different things. So really trying to find the, the way to make it fun for patients so that they continue with it and they enjoy what they're doing and enjoy coming in and talking to us. And, Right. Yeah. It makes our, our life more fun too. Let's burn out that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really, really cool. And I, I mean, I, as you're talking about the clinic and talking about what you all do, I'm thinking, where was this 15 years ago? <laughs> why wasn't I a Right where we are now. <laughs> yeah. Quite literally. <laughs> we're hiding. <laughs> we're low, keeping it low, low key. key. Keeping it low key. Yeah. yeah. So you don't ruffle any feathers in that bottle. Yeah. yeah. But I love it. Yeah. What, what do you think it was that was so difficult 15 years ago to talk about things like this? A, a lot of it, you know, change is hard. You know, change is hard for us as individuals, um, as families, as communities. Uh, so in our healthcare community, I feel um, change has been difficult. Um, and, you know, in psychiatry maybe, and neurology as well, um, I think change sometimes is a little tougher. You know, it's a bit more of a paradigm shift. Sure. You know, way back um, when I got out of training um, was when managed care started hitting. So I actually experienced medicine before managed care. And with the onset of managed care, psychiatry got carved out. Um, and so handled differently, um, really started shaping how we practice psychiatry. And um, I just feel like over the years, it's been more difficult. You know, in psychiatry to embrace change, how do we get educated and learn these tools um, when insurance wasn't covering it yet? You know, now insurance is, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, um, pretty much all commercial insurance covers the genetic panel we do. But it's complicated, you know, it's even, you know, it, and it's getting more complicated uh, because they keep adding variations. So then clinicians have to catch up, yeah. you know, so now it's covered, but how do we educate, mm -hmm. you know, clinicians on how to use uh, the panel? So part of what, um, my job is at the clinic is to try to take all this really complex information from the genetic panel and try to condense it down into bullet points and where a primary care doc can just, you know, scan through it in a couple minutes, 
kind of get a basic roadmap of, yeah, go there, don't go there. Uh, you're more likely to have success here. You know, this is where you want to watch the dosing interactions. But uh, but change is hard. You know, change is hard. So, and do you think that that is something good that came out of COVID that we're actually talking about? That yes. people are understanding more that how you take care of yourself mm-hmm. impacts not just your physical health but your emotional health. So I think really like the isolation impact of COVID and not being able to go out to eat to be so people or go to the gym or do those things. I think people really started to notice how that actually impacted their mental health as well. So I think, I know there wasn't a lot of good that came out of it, but I do think that that was a little bit of a shift that happened. And I've only noticed yeah. that people were embracing that right. or because they were kind of confronted with that truth. No. And I think as patients, getting believing that more is kind of driving yes. clinicians to do that. To, That's to a really good point. More. Yeah, consumer-driven. So, yeah. It, it, you're yeah. so right, because I, I used to say in the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of people that came into our program, it, it raised the bottom for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then didn't force them, but helps them see the light or the opportunity in front of them. And yeah. with the medical model, you said it, well, I think like a paradigm shift. It really is a paradigm shift because I think for so many years, the medical model just it was, is and was what it was. There's in the business for repeat business. Yeah. And I think we're starting to learn that we don't actually have to do that. And people can right. heal. Yeah. And they can move through some of these issues through some really um, insightful and well-rounded therapeutic opportunities. It's really, really cool to begin to see this. and. To that shift is so big because the medical model is so large. We, we call so... it, I call it the Titanic. It really is. And then you have generationally oh, yeah. Yeah. docs yeah. that are done yeah. and other docs that are more progressive. Yeah. Kind of all of that stuff. Yeah. So managing that and dealing with that, having a clear, yeah. concise story that doesn't point at anybody being wrong or anything. Right. 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 Just where you're at is, is really, really cool to be a part of and see. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. How does, how does one, now you guys are really big into stress testing, right? Oh, well, depends on what you mean by that, but. Well, stress assessment. Stress assessment, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, what, what I, what I was always in my early yeah. recovery, at least the first 10 years, I'm like, lower stress, lower stress. Right, lower right. Stress. So I'm trying to find ways to lower stress, and then I have this aura ring on. You're in degrade. Yeah, and yeah. now I'm like, yeah. I'm actually feeling good when I get stressed, and right. when I'm late, you're late. So is, yeah. why do we have stress? Why is it important? And is it, is it all bad? Yeah, not, not at all. Okay. You know, um, way back in the 1970s, the research on stress um, really highlighted the importance and the value of stress. Um, that we need the stimulation and the challenge, you know, mentally and physically in order to keep our brains healthy, to keep our immune system working well. Um, the problem that we see so persistently is either people desperately trying to avoid stress entirely um, or the um, persistent stress that we don't, uh, our clients not getting rest, restore, reconnect, and then meet the challenge of the stress the next day. So, so that's a lot of what we try to educate is the, both the value of stress but also the importance of the rest, digest, reconnect, restore. Yeah, 
that I kind of talk to people about is that your brain is an organ, just like the rest of your organs. Now, if you want to be an athlete, you have to stress your body in order to perform. So if you want your lungs to be stronger, you have to stress them in order to be stronger. Your muscles, your muscles to be stronger, your heart to be stronger. All of these things, they have to go through stress, right? You have to tear the muscles to build the muscles. And so your brain works the same way. If you want it to be stronger, if you want it to work well, efficiently, it has to be exposed to stress. But just like the rest of your organs, it also has to rest and it also has to recuperate. So if you're not, you know, if you're go, go, go all day, you lay down to go to sleep and you can't sleep. Because you never recover. Because your brain is down stress. So you have to recover, you have to ground. So, I mean, something every day to deal with stress. And then having, you know, things like breathing exercises to use in the moment when you're above your threshold and practicing them when you're not under stress. Um, just like athletes do for plays. You know, you have to learn the play before you can play in the game. So it's the same kind of thing, doing those breathing exercises before you're under stress so that you can bring yourself down in the moment and you're not, like you said, chronically building and building and building too much stress and not able to recover. It's a fantastic metaphor. Yeah. It's a really good That's metaphor. That's yeah. actually speaks to me as an individual. So yeah. three weeks ago, I stepped back in for the first time in five years as our chief executive officer. Ooh. I was out president and foundering it. Loads and harass. I actually shied away from it. I said, yeah. I, that can't be in my inbox. I would just clear my, my inbox. Yeah. Without looking. <laughs> Without looking through the blind. My buddy would just have to tell a consultant, be like, I just love how you do that. I'm like, what? <laughs> if somebody wants to get a hold of me, they, they know how to get a hold of me. They know how to go. You know? But I, I actually shied away from it. And over the last few weeks, I've been indulged yeah. to it. And quite frankly, mm. I've been watching my aura ring go up and down. I've actually felt better. I've felt sharper, I felt mm -hmm. more attuned, I felt stronger mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And one would think, working 60-hour weeks, or mm -hmm. weeks, that that would be different. But I'm watching yeah. my stress arc, I'm watching it settle, and I'm watching uh -huh. and I'm able to regulate, which has been a really, really cool. And got the daily rhythm going. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah. And there's so many tools we have now that can monitor that, engage yeah. with that, see really right where you're at. Like, this has actually really brought me to a point where Things have to be data driven. <laughs> it's really important. Like Metrics. <laughs> exactly. I want to see improvement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, something else that I really loved, and I could tell that you all worked really well together, and this is rare for me. A lot of the psychiatrists that I've worked with in the past will have an assistant up front, and they just mm -hmm. kind of do everything. They are the end all be all for all things client services, care, insight, opportunities. What I really love about what you all do is. Dr. Van Amler has found it necessary to create somewhat of a multidisciplinary team mm -hmm. that works with individuals and lean into the strengths, Kaylee and Dr. Van Amler mm -hmm. and some of the other team members. What have you found, Dr. Van Amler? Um, why did you create a multidisciplinary team? Uh, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> it's a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a certain, um, when you get the right um, people on your team and the right energy going, there's just a real synergy. Yeah, and to me, it really um, feeds me, you know, reduces the burnout mm -hmm. when we can work with teams, move and interact with our clients and not just be in our uh, little boxes in our offices one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And then every member of the team brings, you know, such a unique perspective, you know, and gifts. So, yeah, and then under the um, American Board of Integrated Medicine, um, 
the model that we aspire to is, is under their uh, leadership. Okay. Yeah, to have physician, mid-level, like a PA or nurse practitioner, health and wellness coach, medical assistant, and then um, collaborating with a lot of community providers, therapists, uh, acupuncturists, massage therapists, personal trainers, physical therapists, primary care. I love that. So and that in and of itself is a paradigm shift. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really integrating yeah. all of that information, being open-minded to it, because you have a tremendous right. amount of accolades and success and research yeah. and education. And to have that humility as you move through patient care, I think provides yeah. the opportunity for the best patient care. Mm -hmm. That's really, really cool. Yeah. I love that. What are the questions that I've had just since you said, you know, I've been doing this nearly 40 years. Yeah. What has been some of the biggest shifts? What, what did you believe 20 years ago? that you have debunked today? Oh, that'd be a tough one. Um, perhaps that, um, 20 years ago, I didn't think we'd ever, um, as a country and healthcare system, embrace uh, holistic health, integrative medicine, and give it the respect, mm -hmm. you know, which is incredible, because it works. Yeah. It works, and so, um, just it's so exciting to see, you know, communities of healthcare providers, uh, patients really shifting away from the old model and um, more into empowering patients with information like, you know, the home technology tools. And we're just getting started in that industry. You know, being able to empower our patients with information. Um, I, yeah, I didn't think we would be able to do what we can do now. You know, like sleep studies. I have a background in sleep medicine too. And to be able to have patients do their own sleep studies more than just one night and being able to play around and see how, you know, what time they eat, uh, whether they have alcohol, you know, all those different things, they see directly how it impacts their sleep quality. And so it's so cool. Yeah, sometimes we don't want to see what it's like. No, no. You had dinner at eight. Yeah. See the impacts of it. Yeah. Yes, our inter-competitiveness. <laughs> I love yeah. what you said there. When I first started in the field 15 years ago, yeah. 15 short years ago, yeah. Um, yeah. I was working in a place called Decision Point Center, and there was an internal medicine doc. His name was Dr. Jarrett. And any time a client was referred over to Dr. Jarrett, people would say, no. Okay, yeah, he's going to give you this. He's going to give you a supplement. It's not going to work. <laughs> What you really but, need is to go see Dr. Kyle, because Dr. Kyle, the yeah. MD, the psychiatrist, and you even the medications to help you through. Yeah. I have to imagine if I were to go back into the yeah. community right now, Dr. Jared is probably booked through room. <laughs> yeah. But it was a lot of this, and I was part a of it saying, what is the yeah. internal medicine stuff? Right. You know? And so I love that you, you were beginning to move in a direction, and I'm even seeing some old time docs go, you got to go see Dr. Van I don't think she can help you. And so people are being, yeah. becoming a little bit more open-minded because I think they're seeing the results of some of this yeah. new opportunities, which is really, really nice. Yeah, I think we've definitely seen that in our community, doctors who very much didn't always believe in what you did now or right. in doing exactly. that. That's the best say, part. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Why do you care about that? Now yeah. they're doing it. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, vitamin D doesn't matter. It's like, yes, yeah, <laughs> Now I know for sure. It really does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I really love to learn about, for you, Kaylee, 
what was it that made you want to get into this field? Why did you want to become a wellness coach? Like what, what is your why and kind of that passion driven part of yourself? Cause you can tell just sitting down, like you love what you do. Yeah. Um, so I went into nutrition originally. So that's why I have a degree in because I have always believed what we put into our body directly affects what we get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grew up as an athlete. I studied animal nutrition as well. So I always believed that. But when I was getting my degree in nutrition, I was really focused on hospital care um, and kind of what you do when a patient's in the hospital. Like, well, how do we prevent them from getting in the hospital in the first place? Or how do we treat disease with food? So that's how I got into coaching um, versus just nutrition. So that's why I kind of branched into the lifestyle um, aspect of it. Um, I'm really passionate about meeting people where they're at you know, having empathy and compassion for them there and accepting where they're at, but not, you know, having the compassion and the belief in them to empower them to not stay there, mm. you know, to help them be who they can and to move away from that space. You know, we all start in different places, different stages, and, you know, meeting people where they're at and helping them to grow from it by accepting them and empowering them through it is a big, a big passion of mine. It's cool, isn't it? So nice to watch somebody. I mean, one of the greatest gifts of my career is to watch someone come in, soul and disconnected, depressed, and, alone. and that a couple months later they go, yeah, I, yeah. I want to do this for a Yeah, it's just like only oh, yeah. the best job. Yeah, it's like before and after pictures. It's wonderful. We love that. Everything's yeah, yeah, I knew. Very, very blessed. It's a privilege. Yeah. Why did you get into the medicine? Oh, wow, just, you know, a passion for healing, you know, really a passion for healing and, you know, and, and some of it just, you know, through my own journey as well as family members, um, when we don't have our health, you know, it's really hard to have um, much to look forward to, you know, when we don't have our brain health, it really hijacks our life, you know, so just being able to have the privilege of you know, guiding people and being with them on their journey and, and watching the transformation. It's, uh, it's an incredible privilege. Yeah. To be able to hold space in those rooms. Yeah. For yeah. what I would consider the most courageous people. Oh, yeah. I've ever had the chance to meet. Yes. You know, in the world, sometimes I think has a different view of that. Yeah. You know, it's not necessary to go into these groups and these individualized opportunities and individualized for me is smoothies with clients. I did was just doing that yesterday and I just, I can't help but to tell them like, you are such a bright light. You have greatness inside of you. It's right there. We just need to figure out a path to access it. Right. And when people learn that the resources within, Um, it gives them chills. It's like, yeah, they go, oh my gosh. So that's one of the last yeah. things I want to touch on. We touched on it before the show is, you know, 15 years ago, I got clean and sober after my third inpatient treatment program. I went into this amazing inpatient treatment program at Cottonwood Day Tucson. Back then it was mom and pop owned. It was an amazing program. We went through things like grief week, identity and purpose, EMDR, shame and pain, relating years, personal history. It was wonderful. But when I went to check out of the program, he said, my case manager said, all of that's nice and dandy, but here's a yellow piece of paper. You need to go to 90 and 90 or you're going to die because you actually have a disease and you have mm-hmm. allergy. And it's like a hamster wheel if you refer to the doctor's opinions. And in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, it says that I can never safely ingest substances again because I am different than my fellows. 
What I heard in that moment was I'll never heal. I'll never have the opportunity. And I was oftentimes referred to as a cancer patient going to get his chemo. And so Alcoholics Anonymous for my cancer that I had was the chemo. But I just couldn't sit well, and it doesn't sit well with me today to say that, so I'm gonna to continue to struggle, live less than average quality of life, and I have to go get this medicine every day. Um, I've learned over the last handful of years through amazing professionals like you all and great programs that foster healing that maybe isn't the case. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. cancer patients go into remission. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I didn't hear about the remission part. They didn't get yeah, they don't talk about no, it. No, no. Yeah, but I mean, even cancer patients are cancer-free at some point. Right. I mean, right. I, I mean, something we were talking about yesterday is kind of telling patients, you're not your anxiety. You're not your depression. I won't pass those things, but it's not one thing. It's impacted by so many different avenues, and you may never, you may never not have anxiety. It, addicts may always have that underlying addiction, but that doesn't mean you have to accept that that's your story. That's your truth. Right. Exactly. There's other factors at play that make it worse mm-hmm. and make it better. Yeah. And there's a way to live with it or without it if you choose to. So, I mean, I think that's part of empowering people and meeting them wherever they're at, you know? Yeah, and that's, that's part of what I love about the whole, you know, paradigm shift away from mental illness and labels. You know, there's some need and value to that, but really it's shifting that to brain health and healing. You know, and again, really understanding our own brain and body, what helps us to perform well, what gets in the way, um, and how do we promote lifelong healing. Um, the way I like to look at um, 12-step communities, because I'm a huge supporter of it, but they're communities, just like going to church. Or, you know, yeah. people don't go to church because they have a disease. Right. You know, it's, it's a community of authenticity and healing and the Me Too recovery that I'm, we're all in this together. Yeah, so being able to find our community, you know, um, a fellow people along the path who want to heal, who want to be real, um, and cannot. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so important. We also touched on, just in regards to the same question of like, what are we born with on the side? You know, some people assume my dad had addiction. I don't Mm -hmm. don't know what, to your point earlier, I don't know if it's that simple. Right, right. Yeah, well, yeah, so part of what we talk a lot about and what we really get excited about is all epigenetics. And so epigenetics is a part of genetic medicine. And epigenetics is the um, things that influence what genes get turned on and which ones don't. So a lot of what we talk about, again, genes are in destiny. So, so much of what we do with the blood work, with the supplements, with um, healthier relationships, deeper, more restorative sleep, is really uh, helping to power up people's epigenetics so they keep their healthy genes turned on or turn them back on. There's a way to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and turn off or, yeah. yeah. We even do preventative. We've done genetics in as young as one-year-old. Wow. So our patient range goes from age one to currently 100. So our oldest patient, 100, and should be 101. Yeah. Um, yeah, but being able to, part of what helps with the little ones with prevention is when there's a family concern of, oh my goodness, like you're saying, we've got addictions, we've got you know, bipolar, we've got ADD in the family, and if parents get too um, anxious about it, it almost can manifest 
And so by doing the genetics, um, we can say, okay, these are the risk factors your kiddo did and didn't get. Now let's work on preventing them, the unhealthy genes from being expressed. And how can we help you to see some of the gift and um, benefit and value to some of these genes as well? Like, yeah. 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 Predisposition to disease isn't. Yeah. It doesn't diagnose you with the disease. Hopefully it will have a genetic yeah. for diabetes, but it's not about this. You got diabetes. Sure. Yeah. Might as well eat sugar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I did, for both of my kids' first birthdays, I did the genomide on them. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Birthday. Yeah. 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 I'm going to take my kids right up. In the next few weeks, we're going to discuss them. That would be so cool. We do a lot of family. And as a parent, it's really nice because there are times where both of my kids are more genetically lean towards their dad versus me. So some stuff just sets them off where like they're overstimulated. It's too much, but it doesn't make sense to me because I don't have. You have a different brain. brain. Stressful. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Why are they freaking out? Like, dad now? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> And it's, so it just helps, right, to have that, right, you know, like it's cluttered in here. There's two different sounds going on. They have music and the TV. And it's all too much. Like we need to, I get it. Yeah. Right, I see you. It's not, yeah. not, like, so it's not like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Sure. Like you said right? before, yeah. like it's okay. I understand why this, why your brain is reacting this way. This is how we kind of redirect. This is how we fix it. You know, so we can make you more comfortable and make it easier for us to all coexist, <laughs> you know? That's a wonderful explanation yeah. by both of you. So basically what we're saying is we're not necessarily born with these things, but we have genetic indicators that could predetermine or expose us if not, if life not lived well. Right. Not having this insight. Right. There's also things right away, if we do it for a one-year-old, that we can get in front of and understand that yes. vitamin D is good, yeah. you know, is good, so yeah. blue light for the individual might be bad. Yeah. So there must be yeah. some things that are contraindicated right away. Absolutely, yeah. including some medications, you know, yeah. antidepressants, you know, are a big one. You know, the risk factors with um, tricyclic antidepressants especially, but also, you know, the common serotonin-based ones, they can aggravate genes. Yeah, you know, genes that might not have been expressed before. Um, then they get flared up, so we can prevent that now. I, I love that you could kind of get in the, in the middle of it. Yeah, and really come form yeah. quality of life factors to counterbalance yeah. some of that gene or potential mutations of those genes. Right, right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that opportunity. Everybody who has a kid needs to get some genome mind testing <laughs> because it, it really creates kind of like a roadmap, and, it, and it's not right. the end all be all, is what I hear you say. Yeah. But it can give us a ton of information absolutely to kind of work from absolutely yeah i think that's so awesome you know i really want to get i remember when genomine testing came out mm-hmm. years ago was it 2008 mm-hmm. six yeah was, i think it was random yeah yeah Gina, yeah first time in yeah this is like putting way way ahead of schedule yeah and Do you guys I, have any stories with respect to you know i i can go through a rolodex mine this person did this on this day, but is there any stories that have come through the clinic that are just near and dear to your heart, stories of healing, hope, and change that you want to share with the viewers? I think it's really important for people to understand and know that like their story can fit inside this conversation. Yeah, and they too have a seat at this table and this opportunity, regardless of what my past has told me, mm-hmm. specifically throughout my generational and more formidable years. Right, right, yeah. 
I think, I mean, we have a lot of We have so many. <laughs> I'm going through my Rolodex. To kind of yeah. Study. I, you know, we yeah. had a lot come through really overstimulated, especially a lot. COVID. Mm. Uh, because, I mean, there was just so much isolation and fear. Screen time. Yeah. Yeah. Screen. Yeah. The kids on screen. Yeah. Uh, it was so I know, like, one in particular I'm thinking of came in really overstimulated, um, just wired to the wall, um, super stressed at work, not in a very healthy relationship that was not very supportive to their lifestyle, but also to their health. Uh, lots of drugs were involved, just lots of alcohol was involved, um, a really skewed view of their body custom, body dysmorphia, I would say, um, and really stepped into it. I mean, they came through the door and they were like, hey, let's do it. Like, let's do the gene testing. Let's do the blood work. They do the blood work every three months on the dot, taking bone with stuff. And then they fall off every now and then. Oh, I forgot to take all my supplements for like three weeks. So like, it's all right. I'm just get back on. Yeah. So, you know, and definitely has found ways to cope with the stress of their job because it didn't go away and they love their job. So really has found ways to cope with that and deal with it on a regular basis so it doesn't become too much. And knowing what medications work and what don't, the importance of sleep was a right. I mean, and now they're done driving. Right. Out of the bad relationship, really embracing friendships that are healthy, you know, rely less on drugs, less on, you know, people who are just really devastating to their, you know, lifestyle and what they need. So, I mean, I think that's probably been my most recent patient who's really dove in and really embraced exercise, sleep, stress management, medication, reducing substances that are harmful, all those different things. Right, right. And they were on board right from right from the starting gate. Yeah, that fun already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. The case I was thinking of, um, Bob, that we met, you know, talked about yesterday. He's kind of on the other end. Um, uh, older gentleman who, God, he's been coming to see me for a really long time. Um, uh, successful attorney and took so long, um, you know, just sitting in the what would you call pre-contemplative stage, contemplative, um, really didn't believe, you know, yeah, how, how important is the vitamin? Right, <laughs> yeah. You sure. know, and um, seeing him evolve and bringing in the trauma piece, you know, being able to kind of um, help him find the right therapist. And then just over time and patience, you know, working with Kaylee, getting educated, planting seeds, but uh, change didn't happen. And then once everything just clicked for him, it's like seeing him now, it's like, oh my, yeah, it's so cool. And it's like, yeah, his blood work looks probably better than mine. <laughs> it's like, wow. yeah, he's, he's consistently feeling empowered and his marriage is healthier. It's just, you know, it's like it all came together for him at the perfect time. So there's a lot of seed planting because sometimes um, it can be easy to get it for me anyway, to get impatient. Sure. And it's kind of like, oh, I want to see change because it's so cool. Mm-hmm. When, you know, patients like the one Kaylee describes where they come in, they're, they're ready. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. And they're ready to make the changes. Um, yeah, but those others where we just over time. Yeah, yeah I keep mm-hmm. saying gentle encouragement. It's so- Cool how the, the, the people we get to work with, you all get to work yeah. with, you know. Hey, when you when you talked about Bob, I thought to myself, yeah. my own story kind of yeah. 
in regards to Gabor Mate's new book, uh, The Myth of Normal. Yeah. And the myth of normal so often in our country, in the United States, is like the American dream is built with connectedness. That's the myth of normal. Because if you were to put my, speak for myself, if you put my resume on the screen in 2016, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a CEO at the company we built over you know, five years of it's blown up. Yeah. But if you really knew my story, you would know that my wife and I are disconnected as ever. My kids are one and two years old. Like, who are you? But I go into the office and everybody's like, yeah, recovery, see, yeah. Why my world is falling apart in the background. I also just want to bring that up as just an opportunity for people that yeah. are experiencing that. Because as a kid growing up in a lower socioeconomic situation, I believed wholeheartedly. If I could get to the top of Pike's Peak where the pot of gold was, oh, well, mm -hmm. but what I learned in the process was yeah. only up there. Yeah. And all of my friends and family were down on the ridge. Right. And today, because of healing uh, through opportunities like you all are talking about, I can see myself in a simplistic form on the ridge and being like, yeah. go get that pot of gold if you want it. <laughs> you can have it. Yeah, the, the pot of gold is nothing but a tool. Yeah. It's not a goal. It's, it's not a goal. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. And that, you know, we work with a fair number of, I would say pretty, you know, upper middle, upper class. Um, and there's a lot of that, like they just drive themselves so hard and they have the American dream. Everything looks perfect but they, they have this emptiness, you know? Um, and yeah, they've got the money and the lifestyle, which again is an amazing tool. But if we make that our, our goal and our sense of purpose and meaning, yeah, so pretty hollow. Overcome. Yeah. Yeah. With that experience. Yeah. I remember turning on the TV as a kid. I'm like, war is better. I know. <laughs> well, every commercial that That's comes on, bye, bye, bye. Yes. If you look like this, then you'll be happy. You know? Yeah. And I learned a new suicide rate in the fluid family systems is more than double that of the worst sociopath. Yeah. That doesn't wow. surprise wow. me at all. No, it doesn't surprise me at all. Well, before we end today, Dr. Yeah. David Wright, I want you to introduce the viewers yeah. to some of the research that you've been working on and kind uh -huh. of it's going yeah. at it. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Yeah. It's thousands. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we're sitting on basically all, a whole um, pile of fantastic data, you know, with um, blood work, genetic, you know, test results, uh, computerized testing that we do called uh, SCL90 um, that we're looking at um, partnering, you know, with uh, companies to be able to harvest that data mm -hmm. and be able to start publishing, which would be really cool because then we can start um, educating more people on the patterns we see, what we see works, and to be able to you know, show the data behind that in the really rapid improvement, which is still kind of mind-boggling to me compared to how my practice was so many years ago, sure. how long it took for patients to get to that point of balance and now how quickly we can get there is really, really cool. And we used to think, well, no, yeah. I'm just staying treatment a year. Yeah, no, right. It's more right. time and treatment. Yeah. It's actually, it turns out professionals don't see themselves, professionals and, and other family-focused uh, people don't see themselves yeah. inside a 45-day model. Right. You don't have the time to do this. And so when we can sit in front of an outpatient provider who's talking about full healing, mm -hmm. people we can get to, as I said earlier, see themselves inside that story. And you know, people, I think, really want to heal. Yes. They want to feel better. Yeah. Know, they just don't know that there's a path, a very right. intentional and unique path mm -hmm. to get them there. Right. It's just incredible. 
And so often they have everything they need to be happy. I know. Yeah. Yeah. What is, um, uh, I didn't have your website up there, but what is your website? Yeah, www.centerforstressmed.com. Centerforstressmed.com. Check it out. Dr. Sarah Van Anvoy, as well as Kaylee Myers. I appreciate having you all on the show today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. We are so so excited about Peaks Recovery and everything you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah, it's really awesome. Well, awesome, you guys. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks. You too. Peace.